Like, this is a good song. When am I supposed to start talking? I know. I know. It's a long intro. Yeah, it's a long intro, but I feel like I'm, I'm you know, cutting off the payoff. Yeah. I could, I could turn it down. I could turn it back up, you yeah, know. Let it breathe. We can let it breathe a little bit, you know. The first, it takes a while to breathe. Yeah, I know. All right. No, no, we can't. It's like know, a, it's like a it's five like minute <laughs> payoff. Uh, I was watching last night. Editing room. I was watching last night uh, the concert for George. For George Harrison. It was on uh, PBS. It's kind of weird. Okay. They did a concert for George Harrison like a year after he died. It was weird, though. His son looks exactly like him. I didn't like George Harrison. Although I did like, like, he wrote, uh, my, right now it's like, not my, it's one of my top five favorite songs of all time. Here Comes the Sun. Okay. It's a weird thing with George Harrison and Eric Clapton. I'm, I'm getting this wrong, but it's basically, I think it's the story goes something like this. George Harrison went into a party and uh, I'm getting this wrong, but one of them, it was like, oh, Ringo Starr's wife, I like you. I'm going to sleep with you. And did. And Ringo's oh. like, uh, you're a jerk, dude. But he still was friends with him. And then um, and then George Harrison's wife ran off with Eric Clapton. <laughs> and then, But George Harrison was still friends with Eric Clapton. And then... Um, George Harrison was hanging out at Eric Clapton's like mountain home, and it, that's where he wrote uh, "Here Comes the Sun" one morning. Um, but yeah, so I like that song, but I don't like George Harrison very much. But I like I'm I'm learning more about the Beatles. I'm in like my, my, my midlife learn about the Beatles phase, the music crisis. Yeah, I guess I don't know. Man, you guys are the text line. You're freaking out because I I showed a little uh, glimmer of uh, positivity there. Because I said four or five wins is a little unreasonable. I don't think, you know, I, I just don't think that Sean Payton is going to come in and be as bad and not produce at least a little better result than than Nathaniel Hackett. Now, so here, here's an example. Come on, Dan. Every week for the past month, I've texted in saying how you're the only sensible voice of reason on this radio station that actually sees the Broncos for the terrible, horrible team that they are. Just because they won against a bunch of people that are going to be unemployed this week doesn't mean that they're that much better of a team. They're still a five-win team at best, and Russell will be gone at the end of this year, and so will Garrett Bowles, and we'll be stuck looking for a quarterback and a left guard. What do you mean left tackle? And I've been saying maybe both. And I've been saying, get ready for Denver to welcome the Detroit Lions town. I tell well, people the baby's ugly. I give them the truth. Hey, man, I'm just saying. I will give you the truth. And for me, I think they have substantially the same roster. I don't think they've upgraded the talent. So, therefore, I don't think they're going to be a whole lot better. But you guys are, like, coming in off the top rope. Like, they're terrible. They're a four or five win team. And I think, I think that Sean Payton is a professional. I think he's a good coach in that he brings in a stability. He brings in a foundation. That was what I was going to talk about this segment, you know, which is good because my daughter's, she turned six years old today. 
We have the big party today, right? And this is how I've tried to explain to people the problem has been with the Denver Broncos for so long. The story of the three little pigs, right? We had the nonsense with the trust that just crippled. It was a cancer raging through the organization, just just killing the organization from within. Which also, and then you had John Elway, because because the trust was was allowing John Elway to also infect the organization with 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 his bad management skills, right? Post Super Bowl Fifty, and it was just, and then he made bad hires, right? And it was just from the top down, it was bad. And then their their style was like the Three Little Piggies, right? There was no foundation. They were building everything with sticks and straws. It was always a quick fix. It was always we have to, you know, just build something every year, try and prop up a house that would always just fall by the end of the year, right? But it was always, oh, even when that house was falling down, they would try and find like a two-by-four and prop it up and try and get to, I don't know, still, we, nope, we still got to get eight wins. And it's just these houses could not stand. And so I said, and I, I said, well, what's going what's to happen with George Payton when he comes in? Is he going to try and build houses with sticks and straws, or is he going to try and build with solid bricks? And forever, there was just the problem. And, I, and what I liked was when you bring in a Sean Payton, I think you're getting the third little pig. He's going to spend the time, and he's going to start building with more solid bricks but you know what? That takes more time. You're going to build a more solid foundation. And he's he's more of a foundational type leader. And he's is now, is he more tyrannical? Yeah. Are we seeing that he's more like uh, a Mike Shanahan? Yes. Oh, yeah. Is he paranoid and uh, is he a tyrant? And is he scared of the media? Is he scared of everybody? And does he do some crazy stuff? Yes. Now, are we going to see... If that works anymore in this league, I think we're going to find out. But I think he knows what he's doing. And so I think at a minimum, getting somebody that's going to bring stability and knowledge and expertise on a week-to-week basis to the organization, I think that's worth something. And I think that's worth, particularly with a schedule that's not murderer's row, I think that's worth two, three wins with a substantially similar schedule. Right? So, yeah, I think, you know, seven, eight, maybe nine wins could certainly be in the team's future. Now, what could be problematic is they did fail to upgrade in some areas that were glaring. Like, I, for example, agree with James Merrillat. Like, this failure to address because they overvalued their assets at key skill positions on offense, that really scares me, right? Like, one, because Tim Patrick went down again. Javante Williams, we'll see uh, how well he responds. Um, But they seem to really lack a lot of dynamic talent. And then they say, well, Jerry Judy, which, by the way, Jerry Judy's hurt again. Um, and it's a hamstring injury, which could linger all season. You know, I was talking yesterday about if you've ever had a hamstring injury, and, th- and this is not going to be Jerry Judy's fault, 
right? But he's a guy that relies on his lower body. Like, that's his biggest strength is essentially his lower. It's certainly not his hands. It's not his upper body. His hands are his biggest weakness. But his lower body is his biggest skill set. And I've had hamstring injuries before, and they're frustrating. Like, you could just be walking. I've had When I had my hamstring injury, just walking, you, you, you can injure yourself. I don't know how athletes recover from it. Now, they have the best treatment, and, you know, I understand that they will do everything they can. They have, you know, cutting-edge, state-of-the-art treatments to help them get better, but it could go on most, if not all, the season. I remember we had, you remember uh, Michael Adams? Or no, was it, uh, it was either, my, I think it was Michael Adams, maybe it was Fat Lever. I think it was Michael Adams. It was a point guard for the Nuggets here. You just never knew when it was going to happen to him, and he'd be gone for a month or two months at a time in the season. So, but Jerry Judy has an injury history, but they were always going to, they just said, we're going to hinge our hopes on Cortland Sutton, who thankfully, for most of camp, has looked pretty good, better than he's looked in a long time. But we're going to hinge our hopes on Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy. Well, Jerry Judy, that's a problem. So they didn't go out and address that. So that is problematic to me. And then they also said, we're going to way overpay. We're going to pay overpay what other people were not willing to pay, particularly the team that drafted him was giving up on him. The team that was in the best position to know whether this guy was the goods or not. You know, Mike McGlinchey and Ben Powers. Ben Powers has looked a little concerning. Garrett Bowles has looked concerning. Like the offensive line looks like it's still a major problem. So uh, have there been warning signs? Yeah, I'm still worried. But come on, man. Like four wins, five wins. I like this. Same roster, how? Like, how many times do I have to explain it? Where have they had significant upgrades? Tell me. And he, and he lists out all these, these these positions. Tell me the significant upgrades. From a talent perspective, it's, it's substantially the same roster. Tell me where they're a lot better. Judge, you are correct. The Broncos will suck again this year. Next spring, they will be moved to Bentonville. I ain't going to Bentonville. I like Jaleel McLaughlin a lot, but I don't think he should be the start a starter back like James thinks. He had a nice game last night when Javante Williams or Samaj P. Ryan starts and wears the uh, wears the defense down. He's a nice, uh, perfect change up back with his speed. Yeah. You know, that was like the key thing. I It stinks because they, they, I think they probably ruined his career. But remember when, um, you know, see you, boy. I see you, boy. God, why, why can't uh, uh, Lindsay. Yeah, Philip Lindsay. God, they, they just ran, ran him to death. Never. I'm sure he liked getting 1,000 yards in back-to-back seasons, but they never should have done that to him. Now he's out of the league. Did he catch on anywhere? Like, is it in any league? At- uh, I, I know he, he stopped in Indy, and then he also stopped in Houston after the Broncos, but I don't yeah. think he... Actually, I think he was did uh, pop into the XFL with the Dragons and Ben DiNucci. Yeah, I think he was bouncing around a little yeah. bit. Is he... Um, I don't know I don't know about this year. I will uh, look it up right now. Can he, you know, like, the CFL? 
Um, doo, doo, doo. I've got my mind. Oh, yeah. I've got my mind set on you. One of the greatest songs of all time. I don't know. I never liked that song. It was just like this. It was like slightly catchy. And then they just said it like 5,000 times over and over and over and over and over and over again. I did like some of the you know traveling Wilbury stuff. I did like that stuff. Um, yeah, Philip Lindsay is not signed anywhere as of right now. Yeah, it's interesting. Maybe Danucci puts in a good word and he comes back with the Broncos. What? Part of the third string yeah. offense. Yeah, okay, <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, no. Um, the upgrade is in the scoreboard, not the roster. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah, well, sorry about that. Um, yeah, so I, I'm just being cautious Cautiously optimistic that they're going to be better and that they have stability finally within the organization. That Russ will have some stability. I don't. Do I think Russ will be? Oh, um, dynamically better. No, but I think he'll he'll be settled down. They'll get a little more out of Russ. He'll be more middle of the pack instead of bottom of the pack. Bad. I think they're going to find, you know, it's, it's going to be more of a, it, so far what it appears. And again, I've always cautioned since the beginning of camp. And then especially after watching camp, uh, how precious little, I guess, they're allowed to do with camp or whatever. Like, let's not put too much stock in what we've seen at camp. But after watching camp and and the two, basically two preseason games, let's just wait until we get a couple, two, three games deep into the regular season to really find out who this team is. But, yeah, it looks like, you know, they, this may be a little bit of a duct tape and bailing wire season. Sean Payton gets to kind of um, evaluate what he has. You know, some people were saying this week, it seemed like the entire media turned on the team this week. Like, all of a sudden they just thought, man, this team really stinks. And um, just uh, was like, oh, Sean Payton got here. Like, he thought he had one team when he was interviewing, and he got here. And now after a camp, is like, oh, man, we got, we got to burn this thing down. But maybe he does need a, 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 a season or so. Well, not a season or so. He need, maybe he needs a season to evaluate and really clean house. And then, and then but the problem with always, that always is, though, where do you get your quarterback if that's the case? All right, coming up next, the man, the myth, the legend, Andrew Mason. Coming up next. Andrew Mason joins us. Did you know they had, for one episode, a version with some vocals on it? No. They did. I think it was in season three, I believe. Um, And it lasted one episode. They didn't like it. It was kind of like a like a you know doo wop kind of thing like you know you know just nonsense cool lyrics, and uh, I think Larry David said when they sung it it sounded like they were singing easy to beat as in easy to beat in the ratings because Seinfeld was struggling mightily in the ratings at the time. No, oh, in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, so they went back to the uh, non vocal version of the uh, theme and then the the bumpers that they'd have in, in the show. Anyway, that's your huh? random bit of Seinfeld trivia for the day. All right. Well, you know what's funny. Um you know, because we were talking, you were probably listening on the way in about George Harrison, and uh, um, you sent me the parody 
uh, I got my mind set on you. And I said, you know, the first thing that came to my mind was, yeah, they he just keeps singing that same thing over and over and over again. And then, yeah, the parody for Weird Al is... This song is just six words long. Yes. This song is just six words long. Yes. Uh, and, and I'll throw in a solo, a yeah. solo, a solo. Yeah, exactly. He says that. Yeah, I'll throw in a solo. Uh, and yeah, that Weird Al, that was like my childhood. That, that of course, it was a cassette tape, mm-hmm. not a CD. It was before CDs. Um, but that Weird Al, that was probably his biggest album ever, right? Even worse. It was yep. called Even Worse because it was so. a, a knockoff on Michael Jackson's Bad. Bad, yeah. And man, I wore that thing out. Yeah. I just played that thing all it, the time. It was Weird Al in... Uh, what Neil Tennant of the Pet Shop Boys would call the imperial phase of his career. What's that mean? Uh, basically, the apex of your uh, of your creative and also your uh, influence in when you're in music. Okay, that's you know every every artist has that. You know, like um, you know, you can go on performing you know, per- performing concerts for decades, right? But usually, when you're an artist, you get a a little a solid run. You know of, of Several sure. years, mm-hmm. and if you're lucky, you span a decade or two, right? Right. Yeah, that's, that's the imperial phase. You say right. the Chiefs in football, the Chiefs are in an imperial phase right now, which right. is a problem for the Broncos. Yes. Uh, well, not now. The Broncos are about to—they're in the beginning of their imperial phase. I mean, you—you you can't dispute that, can you? Uh, what do you call the beginning? The beginning of the imperial phase. What do you call that? I think you're laying the groundworks for the groundwork for the beginning of said phase. I don't yeah. think they're. I think everyone needs to have some reasonable expectations. Um, I do believe very strongly that this is what that what Sean Payton is building. It's what it's about in two or three years, not so much what it's about today. Hmm, well, Dmac says he's out in th- two more years. I don't agree with that. Why does Dmac, Dmac also thinks? That the Walton Penner Group is going to sell within a decade, and I don't believe that. I believe that if you are a if you are a thirty five year old Bronco fan, you may see a transition within the family, but you've seen the last sale of the Broncos in your lifetime. No, no, kids, kids have no interest in football. They like uh, hanging out in Menlo Park. They like playing water polo. No interest in football. They just bought the team. They, they, they want to cash out. They want a quick cash. That's what Dmax says. Yeah, I know. Yeah. He just he comes up with these things just because because he because he, he. I think he, he watches- went to Menlo Park one time yeah. and he saw the rich people and he's like, oh, this is what it's like. Oh well, I have a new theory now on the Broncos. I think he also watches Succession too much. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I want to get into that show. I've not seen that show yet, but it seems like a show I would love. Yeah, I know. I I know enough to know what's going on, but I haven't worked my way through it yet. But um. Yeah, I, I mean, I, you, you don't have to watch a show to kind of know the vibe, the gist of it, right? Well, so. my wife just put me through two episodes of Suits. Okay. Two or three, like the first two or three episodes. And the problem was it's about a law firm. Mm-hmm. And it was so as over the tops. The premises were so, the legal premises were so over the top, ridiculously far-fetched that I was just like, I can't do it. I can't yeah. do it. I can't watch it. Yeah. Well, that, that's the thing. Like, I have trouble with sports movies. Um, oh, like Draft Day, where it's like, yeah. Ah. Every general manager in Draft Day commits a fireball offense yeah. at some point. Or I have, when it, when they show, like, scenes with media in, like, sport, like uh, sports media in, in film, it's like, okay, no, it's not like that. A, pre- a press conference isn't like that. No, no, no. No, I, I'm just like... I, 
I can't divorce myself from the reality of my existence to accept it. This is why I am no fun at the mo- going to a sports movie with. I, I, you don't want to go with me because I nitpick. Yeah, the press conferences. Or nitpick other stuff. Like, oh, no, that's not, that's not how it would go. It's, no, there's no reality here. Uh, and, yet I, and yet I really enjoyed Ted Lasso, even though that's as far-fetched as it gets. I have not, I've not seen Ted Lasso. Either. Yeah, I mean the the basic premise of a Division two college football coach getting a job working in the Premier League as a manager. Yeah, you know? the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. The, the the biggest best domestic soccer league in the world, right? I mean, anyway, it's funny how we dilly, hear dilly. we have no idea how huge soccer is. We're like, oh yeah, he could just go over there and get a get a job. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'll do. I'll, I'll say this within the context of the show, they do a good job of explaining how and why it happened. Okay. All right. Well, don't don't spoil anything. Okay, the series debuted three years ago. <laughs> I don't think I'm spoiling anything by saying that he gets the job because the owner wants to run the team into the ground. That's how it begins. Oh, like uh, Major League? Yes. There, and in fact, there are there are some Major League vibes and references kind of pumped through the whole show. So, like. If you love Major League, you'll you'll recognize them as they as that goes on. Major League's a great film, by the way. Like, yeah, I, I, did, I did like right now the, the subsequent ones, the sequels. Oh, let's, total garbage. Two, two is tolerable at times. Three never happened. Like two has some moments. Like first of all, if you could cut every scene with Randy Quaid out of two, you'd have a decent movie. Yeah. But the problem was, it was rated PG, and I remember when it came out thinking. Uh, you're going to lose a lot of the vibe if you take what take this from a rated R film to a PG film. Mm. Like it, no. I mean, part of Major League's charms was that it was a pretty, you know, it was a, you know, it, it was a pretty hard R movie, you know. Yeah. And I was in, and, and hey, when you're 14 years old and you're watching that, you're like, yeah, this is awesome. Major League's probably like a top five film for me. Top five. What like just film? I love film? it. Just I love top, it. Whoa, 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 whoa! Well, I'm not up. talking about quality. I'm it, talking about the way it makes me feel. Okay, and like still like watchability. Yes, top and, five ever. I'm not talking about. Okay, we're not we're not doing this on artistic merit. I'm just talking about mo- what I enjoyed. Okay? I know, but all right, yeah, whatever. It's hard know. for me to rank movies because I don't know. People are like, what's your favorite movie? Like, I don't, I, just, I don't know. It's like hard for me to be under that much pressure. But I, I, I know well, that actually, I know you, I like Major League, but it's not my top five. Speaking of not wanting to rank films, Quinn Miners had a press conference several days ago, and he talked about how you know he had, he's got some like he, he likes space. He's got like some planets and 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 you know stuff from astronomy that are tattooed on his arm. And he's like, oh, I like, you know, space movies, sci- you know, sci-fi movies. And then somebody, and then someone asked him, what's his first favorite movie about space? And he just, like, didn't want to answer it. Mm. So for some people, revealing the favorites, like, in terms of music and even film, it's actually really personal. Like, I don't, I don't let anyone see, like, the music on my iPhone or on Spotify or whatever. I mean, I, it's not, you know, it's just me. Well, you know, it's like that. Okay, you, like I have you I, on. Music is personal for me. I have you on all the time. I'm always, you know, drawing, you know, stuff about, you know, out of your personal life, right? Yeah. You know anything about Matt Smith? Like our Matt Smith here yeah. at the at the fan. Yeah. You know anything about Matt Smith? Um, I know, I know that he <laughs> likes to ask questions and keep digging. 
Yeah, but you know anything about Matt Smith? Uh, when he walks out of these doors, he's a CU fan, right? Yeah. And I know a little knows bit about his, his other knows job. His hockey. Yeah, but I mean, we know about his like his sports knowledge, right? Yeah. We know about his on the air stuff. That's, you know uh, anything about him when he leaves? He leaves the station. No, but if you want to talk about it, I'd, I'd happily listen. Yeah, like he won't do it. Hey, some people are like that. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know nothing about Matt Smith. Like he's like he's a vault. Interesting. No, that's that's that. I mean, I can tell you, like Matt and I once had a very long conversation about the about uh, like salary cap manipulation and things like that. And he uh, he asked questions. Then, like about an hour later, he'd ask the question again. I'm like, and I'm thinking to myself, think you already asked that. Yeah. Well, he's not. I mean, I like having conversations yes. with him. He asked me about, you know, my family and this and that. Yeah. And I've just realized um, he, he he's he's a vault. That's you know, it's almost like these, um, you know, on these. Um, you know, I, I watch a lot of like Unsolved Mysteries and these shows. You know what they always say? Like he never talked like these these fugitives. Well, he never really talked about himself. Interesting. You know, like, I don't know. What not, are you I'm, implying? I mean, I'm, that, that I'm is not like, saying. That is, that is, I mean, if we unpack what you just said there, that is, I mean, that is, as uh, Jerry Seinfeld once said, that is a big monster ball. Yeah, I'm not saying <laughs> Matt Smith is a fugitive. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, they have these, uh, yeah, every once in a while there's an episode where, you know, there's a guy that dies, either leaves a fortune, mm-hmm. and they're like, well, he never talked about this, or there is a fugitive, and they're like, well, yeah. you know, every time we asked him about it. You know, he just never talked about himself. Yeah. So I don't know. It's it's wild the things that you you learn. You ever you, you ever hear of the story of Jeff Cumwell? No. Nah. He's a former NFL quarterback. He actually started for Detroit in 1979, and uh, eventually, like he um, he went on the lamb. Whoa! Yes, many years later, like he was on America's Most Wanted. <laughs> For real. Like, no one could find him. He There was a warrant for his arrest, and he never showed up. And anyway, he ended up in being found in Greece, and where he died in a car accident. Whoa. Like, four years later. It's Interesting. A, yeah. Huh. Yeah. But a part of the story was that, like, I think his estranged daughter was traveling and, like, swore that she saw him when traveling in Europe when it was thought that he just disappeared and gone and uh, without a trace. What was his name? Jeff Comlo. Huh. And, but he just played one year? I, he started one year for Detroit. Um, he was a starting NFL quarterback. Starting NFL quarterback. He And then he was a backup after that. The backstory on him is he wasn't supposed to be the starter. He was like a, he, he was like a late round draft pick. But the starter at the time, Gary Danielson, who of course now works for uh, you know for CBS, obviously, um, Gary Danielson suffered a season-ending injury, and he had to start the basically the entire season, and uh, the it was a disaster. Detroit went two and fourteen, and then drafted Billy Sims after that, and then he kind of faded out and was a backup you know, for for the rest of his career for a few more years, and that was it. But yeah, like this guy was a basically a full season, 14 games, so close to it, starting quarterback in the NFL, and eventually he just vanished. Jeez. Yeah. Well, and then you got Arch Schleister. Yeah. Who was actually a, should have been an NFL star and wound up in prison for gambling. He was, what, a top 
top five pick, number yeah. four overall, something like that. Yeah, yeah, and then went to prison, got out. I mean, number four overall. Can't can't. You may be doing it now. Can't, cannot stop conning people to get gambling money. Yeah, let's see here. Um, well, the the last thing on his Wikipedia bio is that he was paroled on June fourteenth, two years ago. Wow, man, his entire life. Yeah, just uh, just wrapped up in the gambling. But he's been diagnosed with uh, dementia and Parkinson's. Oh wow! No. Yeah, yeah, he's playing out the string there. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, I guess we, we, let's. I'll stay on. Yeah, let's. let's we never it. got to any. The only Bronco stuff we got to was Quinn Miners talking about his reticence to yes. reveal his favorite sci-fi movie. By the way, this we is wear caps and sleeves at this level, son. Nice. This this is disturbing. Somebody texts in. Major League is my number one movie. What's wrong with that? That's is not disturbing. That's awesome. Is there a helpline for somebody that texts in something like that? That's a, no, I, I completely understand that. That's awesome. Call, like, if you want to help somebody, like, what number do you give yeah. them when they text you like that? Um, 303-LAW-4040, maybe? I don't know. That would be calling me. I don't know. All right, we'll take a, a quick break, and we'll come back, and Andrew Mason will tell us his uh, top takeaways from last night's Rams Broncos final preseason well final preseason preseason finale no final it, preseason game it, all right we'll it's get into either it. the preseason finale or the final preseason game whichever one you choose yes all right we'll get into that next Major League, uh, Major League. Although for love of the game's underrated. Very, very well. Not in my book. I have it yeah. way up there. It's 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 that's a pretty good movie. A really good movie. Didn't re- didn't really capture the audience in the same way, but um, not, it, it it works. All right. Last night, how was it? Uh, I mean, it was. It's been a minute since I covered a Broncos beatdown of an opponent like that. <laughs> um. I mean, I think I, I I put it out there that um, when they scored 17 points in the first quarter, it the last time they did that in the regular season was back in Atlanta in 2020 in the fourth quarter when they were there were some garbage time points there as they they were trying desperately to come back against the Falcons. So it was it was fun. It was fun to watch. Um, it was also it's also though when you've been covering a training camp you like seeing when guys make it translate to games after succeeding on the practice field so like Alberto had a really good week of practice this week uh, he had four touchdowns in two days against the Rams he blocked very well last week in San Francisco so you love seeing him have the kind of game that he had uh, Jalen McLaughlin's had a good preseason, and you know he was doing what he's he's been he's been doing. Um, it makes you, with, with McLaughlin too. Now that you've seen it three games in a row, and you've seen it in practice, it's like okay, this is not built on sand. This is on bedrock. This kid has something here. Um, and honestly, like it was just it was just fun to see that the Broncos playing well and. Uh, you know, guys were enjoying themselves. And that's another thing. This last preseason game, 
you know it exists under the shadow of a lot of these guys getting cut, some going to the practice squad, some just being out of football by the middle of this week. And you love seeing the joy that they have in the moment, going out there, making plays, doing good things. Um, For some of those guys... Uh, the moment they'll have a moment last night that they'll carry with them for a lifetime. So we got a text here. I was kind of backing up what you were saying. This is from Joe. It said, went to the game last night. Wow. Stayed all four quarters. The Broncos were very entertaining. That was fun. The crowd did the wave late in the fourth quarter. Great night. Again, that's from Joe. Seemed like a really good night. Everybody yeah. was like, feeling it, which you don't oftentimes. They were playing, and they were having some fun. Like, uh, there, there, there was a different vibe, like, over the PA. Like, it was, th- at one point, they played the, um, the theme from SpongeBob SquarePants. They play the theme from Bluey. Again, if, you, if you're a parent, you know this Oh, stuff. we're having a Bluey party today. Yes. In a few hours. And uh, they played uh, Baby Shark, which I'm like, oh, oh. I, can, I can live without that. It'd be a riot. You know, but it just, it, it felt like a happy place last night. How long has it been since Empower Field at Mile High felt like a happy place? You tell me. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, it was just, it, it, and I, I realize I'm probably just kind of prattling on here, and, but it does kind of hit you in the feels a little bit. So your big takeaways. Um, so Jared Stidham. Yes. Has not looked great. Looked fantastic last night. Taking some hits, too. Talk yeah, about staring s- down some pressure, getting rocked. I smoked that one yeah. play. Wind knocked out of him, and he was he was fine. Oh, he's, he's bruised, bruised up today. That's what yeah, I was. Uh, you wake up and you feel it. Yeah, but no, he, he is that the real Jared Stidham, or was that him? Because he's not looked great throughout camp. Well, he looked fantastic last night. He had a he had some nice throws in practice this week. Um, I would say this, and after talking about how good it made 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 me feel watching it, I'm going to walk it back a couple of steps as I start thinking about the reality of it. Uh, that's a Rams team that is swallowing a roster pill this year. They have 35 rookies on the roster Whew. as of right now. Wow. The Broncos have 18 by comparison. The Broncos total is pretty normal because that includes the undrafted guys. But the Rams, literally, literally 40% of the roster is... Um, is undrafted players. So they won their Super Bowl, and now they're taking their medicine. Yes, and they're taking their medicine. The thing, So here's what I got from watching the Rams. First of all, it's an incredibly depth-shy roster, and that's going to show up when you don't play your starters and you go to your twos and threes. Um, what happened last night wasn't surprising at all. Uh, second, looking back on the arc of this week, when... When the defense had some trouble, like it was in the red zone on during Thursday practice, for example, and Matthew Stafford was dicing them up. The Rams are a team that may they how they do is going to depend entirely on whether they keep Matthew Stafford upright and for how long. If somehow Matthew Stafford is upright for seventeen games, they can win nine or ten. Hmm. But what are the chances of that happening? Really, Stetson Bennett last night looked a long way off. Uh, Brett Rippon's homecoming to Denver, as it were, didn't I, go well. I was going to ask you about that because was that just they wanted to get a look at Stenson Bennett, or is Brett Rippon 
legitimately, because Stenson, uh, he looked terrible. Like, is Brett Rippon legitimately behind him on the depth chart? Oh, yeah, and based on this, the way snaps were dispersed this week, Stetson Bennett's the clear number two there. Yikes. But he looked lost last night. He, yeah. looked, he looked okay in practice. He did not look okay in the game. Hmm. Um, but I th- but there were some factors roster-wise that contributed to how things went and the degree to which it got out of hand against the Los Angeles Rams last night, even though neither team played its starters. And the Broncos are a team that, I, yeah, they've got some depth issues as well, but they've got a lot more depth on the roster than the Rams. The Rams, that that's a pretty hollow roster right now, and uh, it's probably going to take a, a couple of years to properly fix out there. Real quick. I know this is ADD, whatever. Yeah. I have a running joke with my kids. Okay. Where I point out little things that make superhero movies impossible. You two sound like you would do that without a hint of irony. <laughs> Welcome to my happy place. Yeah, uh, kind of. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's why I'm not into superhero movies all that much. Well, thank you, Texter. Yeah, but I like sci-fi. Like, I mean, I've I've convinced myself that the stuff in Star Wars is somehow plausible because it happens to be in a galaxy far, far away. Well, of course. But I can't wrap my arms around, uh, uh, you know, superhero movies that are set in cities that are plausibly Chicago or New York City. Right, right? but you have a problem with draft day. Yeah. Where, you know, he trades the draft pick and then the same team trades you know, three first-round trips back, you know, back for it. Did you see the full Monty, the movie, back in the 90s? No, I never saw that. Okay, there's a scene in there that kind of sums up you and you and me because the, you know how they're, they they basically they have to learn how to dance, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, one of them picks up the, this is dating it, the VHS cassette of Flashdance. Like, okay, we're going to watch this and see how she dances. But, of course, you know, these people, they're they're unemployed and they worked at a factory, right? And so the main character in Flashdance, she's a welder. Uh-huh. And so and so they're point and so one of them is pointing out, oh, like everything she's doing is wrong here. Like she's gonna, you know, mm-hmm. gonna get, get all over herself. And like, and like it's just a movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. I guess you and I aren't very fun to uh, go to go to films with. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, wow. Um, we're fun people in other ways. Oh yes, absolutely. Um, Albert I have O. People it- skills. <laughs> Albert O. Save his job. Uh I hope so. Um, I think I-, I think he's really turned a corner the last couple of weeks. It- it- again, it's not just the pass catching. You know, you know, he's hurdling over guys last night. He he's it's, it's how he's fighting. Like when he when he on that third and tw- twenty one, right in the fourth quarter. And he breaks a tackle and fights for the first down. Now, obviously, he's got a physical advantage, but I mean the fact the fact that he was out there kind of fighting for that extra. The other thing that I loved, and I think how you fit in the locker room matters. There are two things that I saw in terms of how teammates reacted to and for Albert Okwebenam that I think reveal a lot. Number one. When he when he blocked Marcus Haynes to the ground in practice back on August the sixteenth, and how his teammates went nuts seeing that, like genuine joy for him. And then last night, the media gets in the locker room and everyone, hey, 
everyone knows who the media wants to talk to. Albert's the star of the night. Mm-hmm. And he's in the shower. And first his tight ends like start calling, Albert! Albert! And then, like, a huge chunk of the locker room starts chanting, Albert, Albert. <laughs> and he comes back, and they're all cheering him as he, you know, he's, as he just towels off and uh, puts a shirt on and gets ready to do the interview. There's a genuine affection for him in there. Um, and when you're talking about team building, that aren't those the kind of bonds that you want to have? You know, not a, you know, you know, some guys fit well, others don't. I think Albert's one of those guys that appears to just fit, and everyone wants to see do well. So, um, I think part of it also we've seen over the years how you know he can he can get frustrated. He's one of those players who probably needs a little bit of the arm around the shoulder. Not everybody responds to the same kind of motivation, right? Um, but when when he's confident, when some when confidence exists in him, and Sean Payton has alluded to this. I asked Payton about it two months ago. You could see the confidence that Jerry Rossberg put into him those last couple of games of the season when he caught that touchdown in Kansas City and they used him. Um, nearly had a big play the following week against the Chargers. Uh you can see the confidence building in him. And given the obvious physical talent that he possesses, I think it would be a shame to bring this novel, at least in Denver, to a conclusion when I think there's some special chapters still in the future if they can find a way to keep them. Yeah. All right. Final final thoughts on the game. Well, um, I feel like I, I'm going to make a, a major league uh, reference here. You know the the announcer Bob Euchre has his mm-hmm. has his analyst Monty, and they're getting ready to start the one game playoff. And uh, Bob says, "Anything to add, Monty?" And he's like, "Eh, no. <laughs> he's not the best color man in the league for nothing, folks." There we go. There we go. <laughs> That's my final thought. All right, real quick. I'm heading to Texas. Chad's like, "Eh." Now he's sending me this text mech joint. Tex-Mex joint, which I'm going to go to. Yeah. But he's like, uh, yeah, the barbecue's, yeah. I'm like a looking really forward to the brisket. What's the place recommended to you? Um, there, Well, I'm going to go to several, but okay. one, like Hard H or something, there's like several. Okay. Are you looking Fort Worth or Dallas? Um, I'm, Well, I'm staying in between. Okay. I mean, I can I can recommend the brisket tacos over at Mia's Tex-Mex in Dallas. Oh, Mia's, te- so it's both? Okay. Yeah. yeah, Mia's is outstanding. I go there every time I'm down in the Metroplex. Okay. Yeah. Very nice. Highly recommended. It uh, was Tom Landry's favorite restaurant. Did you know that? It's been around a while, but it's still outstanding. It's, it was Tom Landry's favorite restaurant, but it was also the restaurant where Jerry Jones met with Jimmy Johnson as they were discussing the cowboy job. And so, like, the, there's that famous picture of the two of them having dinner. Like, they had a couple of beers in front of them. Um, and I, I and I believe if, uh, I'm not mistaken. I believe it was Ivan Mizell, the reporter, who was there, saw them having dinner, called the desk back at the Dallas Morning News, and said, "You have got to get a photog down there." Photog came, snapped a picture of Jones and Johnson, went on his way. But that was another layer to kind of how bad it was for Tom Landry is that they were meeting about taking about his, about his job being eliminated at his favorite restaurant. Hmm. Little interesting bit of uh, 
Cowboys in NFL history there. All right. Fantastic. Hey, Andrew Mason, thanks for coming in. Appreciate you. On to week one, yeah. two weeks from now. We are on to Vegas, baby. We're on to Vegas. Vegas. Coming right here. On. All yes. right. That's Andrew Mason. All right. Your chance to react coming up next.